Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock. Aaron has served as a pastor, a professor, and a chaplain, and he has a keen interest in helping other Christians to think Christianly about all of life. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Eelman, and today we are going to be critically assessing the POEC report. That's the Public Order Emergency Commission report. I know many of our listeners tuned in last week and are, we're expecting this week for us to continue part two of our eldership series, and we will pick that up next week, but we thought it was important to address this timely issue because it was just released. Now, as many of you will know, the Prime Minister of Canada invoked the Emergency Act in February of 2022. This was an act that was previously known as the War Measures Act, and he used this act to clear the Freedom Convoy protesters from Ottawa. So rather than talking with them, I don't think he did that, he actually went into hiding instead. Rather than talking with the protesters or lifting pandemic mandates, he chose this heavy-handed approach that really resulted in arrests, it resulted in a person being trampled by a horse, millions of dollars in donations being seized, bank accounts being frozen, and frankly, tons of administrative costs in the whole report since then. And now by law, because the Emergencies Act was put in place, it must be analyzed after the fact. And so that's what this Public Order Emergency Commission was formed to do in 2022. And so they interviewed and analyzed the government's response and their conclusion at the end of the report, which we just found out is the Emergency Act was justified. Surprise, surprise. So our game plan for today is to examine several statements out of that 270 plus page executive summary. And note, that's just the summary. That's not the entire thing. But we're going to analyze some statements from that. And it's noteworthy as we get started here that this commission was chaired by an Ontario judge, Paul Rouleau, who previously campaigned for Liberal Prime Minister John Turner's political campaign in the 1980s, which is not all that surprising. (laughs) But so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read several statements and have Aaron assess and analyze them. So you ready to go, Aaron? Let's do it. Okay. So quote, during the hearings, I heard testimony from several protesters who said that their activities were lawful because they were engaged in protests and thus were exercising their rights under the charter. This view, while understandable, is inaccurate. The charter provides a robust protection for protest activities But like all rights in Canada, protest rights are subject to reasonable limits. End quote from page 22. Yeah. So when I read that, the thought I had was if protests are subject to reasonable limits, then how is a citizen supposed to protest a lockdown within reasonable limits when they're under lockdown? So one of the interesting things about this summary, frustrating things I should say, is that several times in the document, the commissioner sort of says something to the effect of, you know, peaceful protests are are valid. Peaceful protests are valid. But in this case, they weren't valid. And what's unique about these particular protests is they were protesting the mandates and one aspect of mandates were lockdowns. So just think about this logically. If we're allowed to peacefully protest, but we're not allowed to peacefully protest when we're under lockdown, then we're not allowed to peacefully protest. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of circular reasoning there. He's trying to give a tip of the hat 
to the validity of peaceful protests. But at the same time, if, I, if I'm simplistic about it, I could just say the report saying, if the government says you can't peacefully protest, you can't peacefully protest. Mm -hmm. And because we know that the government is very politicized and partisan, well, it kind of puts the citizens in a very awkward position. What are we supposed to do? Have uh, text messaging protests? So that's the that's what jumped out at me when uh, when I heard that statement. Mm -hmm. Okay, a second statement here. Quote: Occasionally, witnesses at the hearing saw the absence of arrests or coercive police action as an indication that protests or protesters were acting lawfully. This is not necessarily so. Protests are ma managed through a complex web of written and unwritten laws. Well, th this is bureaucratic nonsense and several things come to mind. How in the world is the average citizen supposed to know what police tactics are? Are we supposed to read their minds? So if the statement says various protesters looked and they, they saw the and I saw this, police would be standing off to the side doing nothing, not asking you to leave. Some of them would come over and be friendly with you. Are you supposed to read their minds and assume that what they really mean is leave the site? So that's one aspect of this. And then the second aspect, which is really frustrating, is when he talks about protests being managed through a complex web of written and unwritten laws. What unwritten laws? Like how are we supposed to know what those are? I mean, most citizens don't even know what the written laws are. There's so many of them. Because we live in such a bureaucratic state, there's a law for everything. And so I, I just think this is a very unfair statement. Basically, citizens are supposed to read people's minds and citizens are supposed to read the minds of legal authorities because when we're analyzing, when we analyzed, I, I can tell you this, when I witnessed what happened at the Ambassador Bridge or witnessed what happened in Ottawa during the times I was there, the police never asked anybody to leave. Mm -hmm. In fact, you could go up and have a conversation with the ladies and gentlemen and they'd be completely fine. So how is a citizen supposed to otherwise interpret the absence of police action or how's a citizen supposed to access unwritten laws which don't exist? So I, I, I just feel that that's a very unfair and ridiculous statement in, in the report. Mm -hmm. Okay. It says, quote, false beliefs that COVID-19 vaccines manipulate DNA, social media feeds rife with homophobic or racist content, and inaccurate reporting of important events all featured in the evidence before me. End quote, page 29. And I would just say, who cares? Who cares? What we're going to see in this report, Chris, time and time again, is that they're attacking or questioning the worldview of the supposed worldviews of the protesters. And by the way, it wasn't a monolithic movement. There was people from all different backgrounds or from all different political persuasions, from all different walks of life. So let's, let's just say for a moment that every single protester in Ottawa it's not true, but let's say every single protester in Ottawa was homophobic. Whatever that means, by the way, that's not even a defined term. That's not even real language. Nobody mm -hmm. Does that mean I'm afraid of homosexuals? I disagree with the homosexual lifestyle. I attack homosexuals. Nobody really knows. It's an undefined term. Racism, is that? does that mean that I have resentment deep inside of me towards people of another ethnic group? Or does that mean I'm out beating people up? Like, what, what is that? It's undefined language for starters. But let's assume for a moment that every single protester 
falsely believed that the COVID-19 vaccines manipulated DNA or they, they hated homosexuals or they had racist attitudes. What in the world does that have to do with the protest? That's not what the protest was about. Pro protesters, frankly, can hate or not hate whatever they want. There's nothing, there's no mechanism to actually determine a person's motive. Now, we're not advocating for hatred because we're Christians. Yep. We're not advocating for articulating falsehoods through social media, but it's not relevant to the emergency act. And frankly, commenting on a protester's preferred ideologies, even if they're ideologies that differ from ours, simply reinforces the notion that this wasn't actually about a national emergency, but it is part of an attempt to control the narrative, the ideology of the nation. It's, it's mind-boggling that leftists constantly talk about diversity, but they're the least diverse people in the country. They have zero toleration for anyone with any different view. And if, for example, you put your hand up and say, actually, I believe the Bible uh, forbids homosexuality, for instance, they love to concoct these undefined labels, which now we have judges. This man is a sitting judge in the Ontario Appeal Court using this undefined language of homophobia to, to, to articulate that, you know, in the report, he discovered that a few, okay, a few people were homophobic. Okay, let's say they were, whatever that means. Um, did you notice some people wearing yellow coats? Blue shoes, sunglasses, like how is that relevant? It'd be like including in the report, you know, we, we, we heard from several witnesses uh, testify to the fact that they hate cats. So what? Mm -hmm. what? What does that have to do with people protesting the ongoing suspension of charter rights? It has nothing to do with it. So it's all smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. I think that it would apply to this next one as well, but I'll let, I'll let you assess it. So, quote, while the French movement also had its origins in economic grievances, some of its organizers employed anti-immigrant, anti-Semitic, and Islamophobic rhetoric. Some of the organizers of the, quote, yellow vest official convoy to Ottawa, end quote, were reportedly concerned about how the French yellow vest movement had come to be perceived, end quote, page 31. So there's an attempt here to draw a parallel between something that's happened overseas and not even something that's happened overseas, the rhetoric, the words of people in a protest movement overseas and the convoy in Ottawa. Again, the percentage of people in Ottawa that would hold to the same views as this yellow vest group in France is probably a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percentage. But even if it was everyone. It begs the question again, are you trying to say that the invocation of the Emergency Act is justified based upon fear that bad words that were shared in France were also potentially being shared in Canada? That's not a national emergency. It's not a national emergency when someone uses bad words. That's not an emergency. But again, Chris, this document time and time again primarily seeks to highlight the alleged, and I use that word alleged purposefully, the alleged ideologies of the protesters rather than the substance of their concerns. Mm -hmm. Now, there are places in the document where he'll make comments to the effect, you know, the, 
the fact that there was a Nazi flag present doesn't mean that, you know, the majority of people supported that. Or the fact that someone was guilty of harassing another person doesn't mean that the vast majority would support that. Then why even mention it? Because it's such a minute example. It's such a minute example. You get 10,000 people standing in downtown Ottawa and some guy throws out a quote unquote homophobic slur, again, whatever that means. Why does that end up in the report? Again, why aren't you reporting on whether people put relish in their hot dogs or not? Like, how is that relevant when you take something that is irrelevant to the protest movement itself, which is to for people to say, look, we're sick and tired of being locked down. We're sick and tired of being forbidden from working. We're sick and tired of being locked out of our, our places of worship. No one's listening. We got nothing to lose. We've spent the last hundred bucks in our bank account to fill up the car with gas to drive here. How is their ideology relevant? It's trying to base a fear narrative, build a fear narrative, which never actually materialized. To the best of my knowledge, not one single punch was thrown by a protester when they were being arrested at the end. That's incredibly impressive, perhaps even historically unprecedented. Mm -hmm. But they don't get credit for that. Instead, we're focusing on these vague connections to quote-unquote extremist groups around the world. Yeah, ludicrous. Okay, here's another quote. He says, quote, I do not intend to wade into the debates about the appropriateness of various governments' approaches to the pandemic. However, I do wish to make three observations, end quote, page 32. Right. So the entire point of the protest was to oppose government approaches to the pandemic, but he's not going to weigh in on that. Really? The entire point was to protest pandemic mandates. He's like, yeah, but I'm not going to weigh in on that. Instead, I'm going to spend page after page after page highlighting the odd person who said something that's you know, not, not politically apropos who maybe ha was wearing the same color jacket as someone in a European country across the ocean. This is the kind of nonsense that causes people to lose faith in authority because mm -hmm. it's, it's got a nice little cover on it. It's all well-written. It's got its you know, ISBN number and all that kind of stuff in it. But when you, when you look at it realistically, this is, this is not an intelligent report. Mm -hmm. This is more of a gossip report or a fear-mongering fear report in, in my viewpoint. And it's not, a, it's not an appropriate reflection of the government or this commission to try to tar and feather everyone that was at the protest because, again, they find some oddball saying something weird or harassing someone and somehow bringing that to the forefront time and time and time again in the report. So all, all of this could, be, could have been avoided if they simply had removed the mandates or come out and at least had a conversation with the protesters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully you're getting a, a glimpse into this summary. Obviously, you can go ahead and read the whole 270-page uh, report, but we're going to read a few more quotes here. Quote, at the fringes were more radical actors, including both ethno-nationalist extremists and conspiracy groups. Most protests were peaceful, but social media amplified calls for violence. End quote, page 34. Okay, well, first of all, there's nothing illegal about having a conspiracy mindset. You may not appreciate it, I, someone may have a conspiracy theory that I don't agree with. There's nothing illegal about that. Like, a, a, is there a suggestion here that we invoke the Emergency Act to stop conspiracy theorists or put them in their place? Right? There's nothing illegal about believing something that's not true. Most liberals believe stuff that isn't true. <laughs> true. So nothing illegal about that. Secondly, why the repeated appeal to fringe protesters as a justification for the EA? 
So if they were to quantify this, they, they talk about ethno-nationalist extremists. Again, I don't even know what that word, that terminology means because it's all made up language. It's undefined language. It's part of the woke agenda. But let's suppose there were five of them there. Okay, what does that have to do with the fact that there were thousands and thousands of people that weren't ethno-national extremists? Again, whatever that means. And by the way, is there something wrong with being a nationalist? I'm a nationalist. Isn't the EA supposedly put in place to protect the national sovereignty of our country? Of course, we're nationalists. The opposite of a nationalist is a globalist. It doesn't care about your nation or doesn't care about the sovereignty of your nation. So it's, it's, it's frankly repulsive that this commission uses this woke language like extremists and conspiracy groups, undefined. And then I would just say the third point I would make about that is when it talks about social media amplifying calls for violence. Okay, show us the evidence. And if there's calls for violence, prosecute the people responsible. Mm. But you don't send in thousands of police officers, spend millions of dollars in taxpayers' money, run horses through crowds because there's a few knuckleheads that happen to show up or say something stupid on social media. Mm -hmm. But again, and we're going to see more of these, over and over and over again, laced throughout this document is these references to the true fringe minority among Trudeau's fringe minority to sort of tar and feather the whole group and justify an absolutely absurd response to a peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. By the way, if they're blocking traffic, send in tow trucks and tow them out, ticket them, find them. You're not finding them, you're not telling them to leave, but you suddenly decide to show up with a, essentially an army to push them out of there. Like, why would you not do that as a last resort? Such mm -hmm. a, an unreasonable response in my view to something that could have been solved with some conversations and some um, selective responses, some selective mm -hmm. police responses to the protesters on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. How about this one? On page 51, he says, while most protesters were not violent, they were disruptive. <laughs> well, this is hilarious. So what? That's the nature of a protest. So they weren't, they weren't violent, but they were disruptive. Okay, yes, yes. All protests are disruptive. That's why it's called a protest. And protests that are designed to protest the government's ongoing disruptions of citizens' lives are pretty reasonable, I would say. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is classic elitism. The people that still get the paychecks, the people that are still in power, the people that have secure jobs, the people that comply with everything because it benefits them. They look out at the average man. They say, you know what? You're, you're talking a little too loud. The same thing happened at the bridge. And that, that was, they shoot everybody out of there before the, the EA was put in place. But the most disgusting thing about Ambassador Bridge blockade was the fact that the very people that were banned from crossing the bridge that chose to protest there were then dragged through the not proverbial knot hole backwards because how dare you shut the rest of the citizen citizenry down or hinder the rest of the citizenry from crossing the bridge that we've collectively decided you can't cross. It's gross. Mm -hmm. It's like 10 bullies in the, in the schoolyard uh, lambasting 
the kid that they've bullied because he reports them to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Well, yeah, public infrastructure, economic loss. Okay. Are you kidding me? We went through three lockdowns totaling months on end. But 35 guys pull up in pickup trucks and partially block, go back and forth, block in the bridge, have good relationships with the police, but they're they're the bad guys. You know, mm-hmm. we gotta we we can't go in to the best of my knowledge, when the police moved in on the Ambassador Bridge blockade, there might have been 35 or 40 people on the ground mm-hmm. and several hundred officers. Why would you just go up and say, guys? In fact, best of my knowledge, when the police approached the remaining protesters and asked them to leave, most of them just pulled their vehicles out past the other side of Wyandotte Street. No one seemed to really care. But again, when you're the problem in our society is that the elitists control the media, they control the narrative. And this is why they hate social media, because mm-hmm. they can't control it. Yep, They can't control the narrative. Now, again, on social media, you're going to get some Looney Tunes saying some things that are false. But we read about that every day in the mainstream media reports of things as well. So we talk about censoring media. There's an increased emphasis on censoring social media. Why don't we have another law in place talking about censoring big media? Not that I'm in favor of that, but... Mm-hmm. It, again, it's all bent, the narrative, the power is all bent toward the elitists who frankly look down with disdain. Mm-hmm. This this man who's commissioning this report, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a statement of disdain for the average person, a failure to acknowledge, even though he kind of does, the absolute disruption. Many of the people that were at the convoy in Ottawa literally had no place to turn and no place to go. And how dare the government chastise them for participating in a protest that wasn't violent, but was quote unquote disruptive. You know, it ruffled too many feathers. It's gross. Agreed. Here's another one kind of in line with some of the previous ones we said. He says, quote, I also heard evidence of homophobic and transphobic slurs being directed at residents and of racialized residents feeling targeted. Page 54. I would just say irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I don't, it doesn't matter. You, 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 hear, you hear evidence of people acting poorly in every public gathering. It's irrelevant to the EA. The EA wasn't invoked in order to penalize ideological differences. Or, or was it? Or was it? And I would say in, 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 in actual fact, it was. This was not so much a, a, a clash between pro-charterists and anti-charterists or splicing and dicing reasonable limits within the law, we have seen this time and time again. There is a clear ideological agenda to the status elitists in our country that should concern people. And I would just go back and say again, language matters. The terms homophobic, transphobic, and racialized remain unidentified in this document. This document I know isn't a legal document per se, but it's written by a man who's and his team who's skilled in the, in the area of law. Why don't we define these terms instead of just throwing these slurs out, instead of throwing these... In fact, it's interesting, if you think about it, talk about homophobic and transphobic slurs. Well, it's actually a slur to call someone homophobic and transphobic when they may or may not be, or we don't even know what that actually means. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I would say, Chris, is that when we were when we were there, you... you um, you know, there, there are people of all walks of mm-hmm. life. So this this idea that somehow this this subtle 
reinforcing of the narrative that this is maybe maybe a bunch of white supremacists or something like that. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. People from all walks of life were there, from different religions, Sikhs, Muslims, Christians, secularists, protesting the ongoing suspension of charter rights. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I can attest to it, that. It actually, this, this statement actually sounds like it was um, inserted by Justin Trudeau. This yeah. is the kind of thing we'd expect from him. Yeah, they're like, yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we also have him say on page 54, residents saw a symbol of hate in their community, including swastikas and Confederate flags. And again, that's not relevant. But to the point, there's zero evidence that these people were protesters, and everybody knows that. Everybody has seen the guy walk into the crowd with the swastika Confederate flag and get booed and shoot out mm -hmm. by the protesters. And the guy's wearing a mask. I was going to say, what's who, he wearing a mask? I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> how, how is that relevant to, to the invocation of the Emergencies Act? In fact, what's fascinating is, and again, we're not into swastikas and Confederate flags, but people were starting getting upset that there were Canadian flags. Mm -hmm. The Canadian flag is suspect now. A friend of mine was just in Ottawa. You're not allowed to up on Parliament lawn with just any old Canadian flag. You know, they're, I think they're measuring the, the stick you're holding it with and all this sort of stuff. The new flag of our country, by the way, is the, the rainbow flag. That's the flag everyone wants to fly, you know, but God forbid you fly the Canadian flag. But here, this is just, this is just more nonsense. This is looking at some extreme example of someone that's probably not even a protester doing something stupid. And somehow that's being used to justify the EA. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's one. He says on page 137, quote, but no one person or group spoke for all protesters or even most of the protesters. While it is important to recognize the presence of controversial and extreme elements at the protests, it should not detract from my findings that many and perhaps most of the protesters sought to engage in legitimate and lawful protests. Their participation alone does not mean that they supported or condoned the conduct of extreme or fringe participants. Okay, so listen to his words again. Most of the protesters sought to engage in legitimate and lawful protests. That in and of itself should be enough to say that the EA was not justified, mm -hmm. period. If there were bad actors in the group, a minority, he's essentially acknowledging it's a minority. And I would say it's a microscopic and even in certain situations, non-existent minority. Why the EA? So this, this is... This is an interesting statement because he's he's essentially acknowledging that m maximum there's a, a very small number of people that were really problematic at the protests. But at the same time, somehow it's acceptable to repeatedly reference these fringe individuals and these isolated incidents of alleged harassment to justify a heavy-handed response in the entire convoy? Why was Chaba Vizzi thrown to the ground and beat up? He wasn't one of them. Mm -hmm. Why were other people arrested that, or, or, or threatened with arrest that weren't flying swastikas or Confederate flags? You look at the, the arrest footage, I'd like to see one 
swastika flag or one Confederate flag held by any of those people in any of the protests that took place across the country. And the reality is it's non-existent. So what we're seeing here, Chris, as we explore these various statements is very much of an ideological bent. Mm -hmm. Like the mask is coming off, pardon the pun, the mask is coming off the commission. It's clear that the, the commission and the commission in particular are advocating on some level for the woke agenda. They're, they're borrowing woke language. Mm -hmm. They are giving a tip of the hat to peaceful protests, but practically speaking, disallowing them. They're framing up the protest as dangerous people, but at the same time being slippery with the language. Well, it's just a fringe. Most didn't really support it. Most were there for legitimate lawful protests, but at the same time, it's unlawful. If it's a legitimate lawful protest, why would you shoot people out of there? So which is it? Is it lawful mm -hmm. or is it unlawful? Mm -hmm. Which is it? Are we allowed to protest in Ottawa or are we not allowed to protest in Ottawa? Which, by the way, is our national capital. It doesn't belong to the residents of Ottawa. If the residents of Ottawa don't want to live in the national capital, move. Or if all the residents that, of, that live in Ottawa say we don't want the national capital to be here, well, then maybe the government should decide to move it to another city. Mm-hmm. We'll take it in Windsor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Then not. we get a shorter drive maybe for not, our protest. Then we get a lot of government officials down here. And <laughs> it's true. A lot of them we don't want in this area, frankly. <laughs> um, okay. This next one, it says, I do not accept the organizer's description of the protests in La Ottawa as lawful, calm, peaceful, or something resembling a celebration. So much for judge not lest you be judged. Yes. Right? It's true. He continues, that may have been true at certain times and in isolated areas. It may also be the case that these things that things that protesters saw as celebratory, such as horn honking, drinking, and dancing in the streets, were experienced by Ottawa residents as intimidating or harassing. Either way, the bigger picture reveals that the situation in Ottawa was unsafe and chaotic. So this is a blatant historical falsehood. This is an absolute blatant lie, not to mention the fact that it's very judgmental. Was he there? We could have sworn affidavits from thousands of people who would describe the protests in Ottawa as lawful, calm, peaceful, and something resembling a celebration. Thousands of people could swear affidavits, but he says, no, I don't believe you. I don't accept that. Well, were you there? There's a little principle in the Bible called eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness testimony matters. And yet somehow he's taking the side of the Ottawa residents. And again, it's our city. It's the nation's capital. And it's, it's, it's unfair for him to side with the, 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 the residents of Ottawa as if we're not allowed to be there. Mm. So, we're, so we, we, can't, we can't protest, apparently. We're, we're supposed to be allowed to, but we can't protest. We took it too far in Ottawa, apparently. I guess we're supposed to protest out in a cornfield someplace. And you're under lockdown, so you're not really supposed to be protesting. Anyway. Like it, the whole thing is nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's talking out of both sides of, of, of his mouth. And it's, it's really diminishing the reality on the ground. It's diminishing the pain and suffering that people experienced. And later in the document, we see that responses would just have a bigger state to control this more, which is, the, is part of the problem. So it, it's such a, I can't tell you how disappointing this report is from an objective perspective and how laden it is with an ideological leftist bent. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, I think you want to fill in on this or um, comment on this next one too. Uh, maybe it's just his knowledge that's at a problem, but he says propane tanks, jerry cans filled with fuel, fireworks, and other safety hazards that were being stored in the downtown core also posed serious risks. Well, that's a hypothetical, isn't it? Because the reality is there were no explosions, there were no fires, there were no no buildings were blown up, no infrastructure was damaged, and on and on and on. So it's a hypothetical, and they were there for weeks, and none of that was seen. By the way, it, it would be helpful for people to know that when you bring propane tanks, those are stored in what are called certified bottles. So so what if propane's in a certified bottle and someone's having a barbecue? Is it more risky when you have it on Wellington Street in Ottawa as opposed to when you have it on 2nd Street in your backyard? And then in terms of jerry cans, is the commissioner aware that diesel isn't flammable? Like you got to put diesel under a lot of pressure. This isn't gasoline. You could dump diesel on the ground and light a match and you're going to have a hard time getting it to burn. But of course, elitists don't know this stuff because all they see is a jerry can and they concoct the narrative around it. So I... I think that they're the um, not only is this a hypothetical, but again, it's 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 another attempt. It's another attempt by the elite to diminish the common man, mm-hmm. to d- diminish his his ability to protest, to control it. So you you can't you you can't cook at a protest. God forbid if you cook at a protest. God forbid if you keep yourself warm at a protest. God forbid if you honk your horns at a protest because other people are going to be disturbed by that. Uh, God forbid if you don't read the minds of the police officers at a protest who are otherwise acting peacefully around you. God forbid if you're not aware of the unwritten laws that you should have somehow been aware of because you're supposed to read people's minds that would have suggested to you you shouldn't have been protesting. You know, God forbid if someone shows up in a group of 10,000 people with a Confederate flag, that means you're all responsible for it. But at the same time, you're allowed to protest. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, it's it's legitimate. And I'm sure many people thought it was lawful, but actually it's not. This is all nonsense. It's all spin. It's it's not logical. Now, maybe if they had more time to, to write it, it would be more logical. I'm not sure. But this is just another example of a hypothetical, hypothetical fear-mongering concocted risk mm-hmm that is seeking to justify the heavy-handed approach. If he was so concerned about flammable jerry cans, how about this? You take 10 cops, you walk down Wellington Street, say, sir, um, actually, we're gonna have to ask you to remove the jerry can or the propane tank, uh, or we're gonna ticket you. And then go to the next truck and do the same. Go to the next truck and do the same. And go to the next truck and do the same. But no, they couldn't do that. That'd be too simple. Mm-hmm. We gotta allow it, the, allow the, the protest to build and build and build and build and then concoct this narrative of this dangerous concoction of extremists and French nationalists and ethno-nationalists mm-hmm. and on and on and on. They're trying to take down the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at one point, I, I'm trying to, I'm a little fuzzy on the details. Do you maybe remember? There was somebody claiming there was an arsonist in an apartment and they were claiming it was tied to the convoy, but then later investigation revealed it totally wasn't. Isn't that right? I, I, vaguely. Man, you hear so much. I have vague recollection of something like that. The The reality is, is that when you have rumors floating around, people can make up all kinds of rumors. Rumors are floating around, and then they're picked up as the dominant narrative in the media or among the politicians. It just 
looks bad on the whole group, but mm -hmm. it's not necessarily an accurate depiction of how the whole group is acting. And that's my big beef with this document. Yeah, 100%. Okay, just a couple more quotes here, and then we want to talk about their conclusions. He says also on page 139, at the same time, I do not accept the evidence espoused by the organizers that they were never aware of harassment, intimidation, or other non-peaceful conduct by protesters. Right, so he has a crystal ball and he can read everybody's minds. That's not a legal statement. You don't read people's minds. You deal with the facts and the evidence. Were you participating in harassment? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. Were you participating in intimidating tactics? Yes or no. You don't write, I don't believe that they weren't aware of it. How do you know? How do you know they, they were or were not aware of it? Again, we don't read people's minds. In a court of law, you look at the evidence that's put before you. I know this isn't a court of law document, mm -hmm. but you put the evidence. To what if I were to say, oh, I think you are aware that um, uh, there's globalist, there's a there's a globalist agenda behind the the government's response. Well, I would have to have evidence for that. Mm -hmm. I'll just throw it out there as some some figment of my imagination. Yeah. Anyway. I yeah. Okay. There. That's all right. He continues. Their knowledge of actual and potential violence or harassment can be inferred from their own evidence. As a starting point, Mr. Barber testified that if you put 200 truck drivers in a room quote, somebody's going to get a black eye and a broken nose, end quote. Mr. Barber himself almost got into a physical altercation, quote, at least twice, end quote, with a driver who was, quote, was ignorant about moving trucks when I asked him to, end quote, end quote. So apparently the commission can read minds and assess motives. And apparently because you find one example of one individual talking about the toughness of truckers in general, that this justifies the invocation of the EA upon thousands of people. So I, don't, I just don't buy it. Mm. If, you, if, if I were to say to you, Chris, you know what? If you were to get 100 plumbers in a room, chances are someone would throw a punch. Well, your response is, well, we better call the police. Because mm -hmm. if there's 100 plumbers in a room, that means all hell's going to break loose. And there's going to be some big problem that you know causes a breakdown of civil order or something like that. Barber's comments in all likelihood are simply pointing out the fact that a lot of truckers are tough guys, maybe rough around the edges. Oh, well, again, this, this is, I think what this is, is this is the elites being threatened by the average man and trying to concoct a narrative to make them look like bad guys when the majority of them are great people mm -hmm. that simply want the same people that were lauded as heroes and essential workers for keeping the supply chains open during some of the darkest days of a lockdown, when they raise their hand and say, we've had enough, we want our jobs back. If we don't want to get the jab, it's up to us. They're being labeled as the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's thoroughly inappropriate for the commissioner to suggest that he has the capacity to read people's minds when he doesn't seem to spend too much ink reading the minds of the politicians that invoked it. He just takes them at their word. Yes, exactly. Okay, two more. He says, what, uh, this is on page 205 to 206 if you want to look it up. He says, I recognize, of course, that CSIS, that's our Canadian intelligence agency, CSIS had not assessed the protest as cons constituting a threat to the security of Canada pursuant to their mandate under the CSIS Act. This said... The CSIS Act and the Emergencies Act are different regimes that operate independently from each other. They serve different purposes 
involve different actors and implicate different considerations. While CSIS input was, of course, an important consideration for cabinet, it was not and should not have been determinative, end quote. <laughs> All right. So does everybody, are you processing that in your own mind? The Canadian spy agency looked at the protest and said they do not constitute a threat. So instead of listening to the spies, the commissioner says, yeah, but let's, let's pull this little bureaucratic stunt. But they're functioning under a different act. The EA is under a different act. So on paper, somewhere out there in, 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 the, in the courts and the, in the, the legal documents of our country, they're, they're operating under a different act. They're different people. They have different purposes, different intentions. Different intentions. So we're going to dismiss their analysis of the threat to the country, and we're going to go with the cabinet. Who's the cabinet controlled by? The prime minister, the politicians, the partisan politicians. So we're going to dismiss the advice of the professionals who are not supposed to be partisan because they're under a different act and they, they don't really have much to say with the EA. See that tricky little stunt that's pulled there? Our national intelligence agency's assessment is deemed to be irrelevant because they're under two different acts, really. This is, again, nothing more than an appeal to, uh, to bureaucracy in order to dismiss the, the spy agency's report in favor of the government. So somehow Prime Minister Trudeau and his cabinet have more insight into what's actually going on in the protest than the professional spies that are trained and vetted by our country to protect the security of our nation. It just makes me shake my head. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. But that works. When you're a former uh, campaigner for the liberals and when you show yourself to be a leftist by adopting all their flaky language, your undefined language in a document like this, why should we expect otherwise? This document has an ideological bent to it. That's what I want people to take away. Mm -hmm. You know, you can fluff it up. You can, you can have your, your chairs set up in rows and your speakers and your podiums and a certain sense of poise and composure and all these fancy documents with footnotes and websites and testimonies and all that sort of stuff. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. The, you cannot help but assess what has happened in our nation over the last few years apart from your ideological bent. And if you're a statist and if, you're, if you buy into the woke agenda, which is clearly evident in this document, then this is the conclusion you're going to arrive at. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't give people on the other team uh, much, much motivation to try to be collaborative or to really take this report seriously because it, it dismisses the many good people who simply wanted, how, how unreasonable is this? They simply wanted their jobs back. Let's just boil it all down. I just want my job back. Just leave me alone. I want my job back. I'll get the jab if I want to get the jab. It dismisses all those people because they don't, they don't measure up to the preferred ideologies of the woke nation known as Canada. They don't accept the trans agenda, apparently, even though I'm sure many of them do. They don't accept same-sex marriage. 
So we're going to throw them under the bus because they don't they don't line up with our ideology. Mm. That's 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 the message that leaks through this document time and time again. Okay, I think you got one more for okay. me. Yep, one last one. He says on page two hundred and thirty-two, and I think this is probably well. We'll see how you assess it, but I think it's ridiculous. He says this, I heard evidence of protesters bringing young children to protests in Ottawa, Windsor, and Coots. I suspect that many of the parents who did so believed that they were taking families to lawful protests. In certain places and at certain times, they were likely correct. However, there was also a suggestion that in some cases, children may have been used to prevent police enforcement. Oh, a suggestion, like a tweet? Like some anonymous person on Facebook made some comment. Why is, how is this relevant to the invocation of the EA? And by the way, Windsor had already been closed down before the EA yep. came into play. But we, we heard this from the mayor of our own city here that, you know, the call was put out for people to come down and people brought all these kids down. It's so shocking. So shocking for Canadians to bring their children to peaceful protests with bouncy castles and hot dogs, people flying the flag and reminding them that their forebears died for these freedoms. Like what planet are people on? Sometimes I think we're, you know, we're assessing news from Mars or something mm -hmm. like that. What's wrong with people taking their kids to peaceful protests? And the second suggestion that they were used to prevent police enforcement is, is complete speculation. It, it may or may not have made law enforcement second guess how fast they were going to move in. Like if it's just a bunch of 25-year-old muscle-bound men, it might have been easier for them to move in earlier. But I like the fact that many children saw their parents taking a stand for charter rights mm -hmm. and being reasonable about it, being peaceful about it, mm -hmm. and being committed to it long-term. So you go to Ottawa, you park your van on the street, and you stay there for three weeks. You wave a flag, you jump on some bouncy castles, you listen to some speeches, you eat some hot dogs, you help people out, but somehow you're the bad guys, really? Somehow that's inappropriate mm -hmm. for children to see. By the way, not to conflate the issues, but do we actually live in a country that cares about kids? Because these same lefties don't seem to be all that concerned about all the disgusting things that kids are exposed to in our public educational systems. Mm -hmm. So it's it's talking out of both sides of their their mouth. This almost as a again building the argument that somehow protesters were irresponsible. They should have left the kids at home. Mm -hmm. Building the argument that you know even even maybe planting the seed. Maybe maybe, maybe the the um, social services agency should come and take your kid because you're you're a protester. You're mm -hmm. a bad person. You didn't get the jab. You're a bad person. Mm -hmm. You don't deserve to raise your child because you let him eat a hot dog and jump at a bouncy castle in the nation's capital. You're a bad person. See how the narrative is being bent mm -hmm. in the direction of the state? So I'm thankful that you read all these quotes because they, I think we've read probably 15 of them or so, they all point in the same direction. The ideological bent away from individual rights, away from the common man, away from God-given freedoms to the all-powerful state that knows best. They know, they know better than you do how to raise your kids, what you can take them to and what you can't. They know your true motives. They can read your mind. Mm -hmm. You're a bad person.
if you don't follow their agenda. Yeah. So I know this document had a, a series of conclusions. Um, and so maybe you could speak to those and speak to just your general overall conclusions of sure. this uh, document. Well, so just, just to be clear, the document that we've been reading from is, uh, is called the, the Executive Summary. And at the tail end of the Executive Summary, there is a section called the Consolidated List of Recommendations. And I believe there's uh, 56, I think there's 56 of them. And if you read through them, it's it's pretty much all about a bigger government. So they, he's various recommendations like creating a national intelligence coordinator for major events or coordinating better between the RCMP and this agency and that agency or... Just so we can disregard them later because they're a different <laughs> act or something? Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like ceases to talk to us just so we can disregard them. Yeah, unless they don't line up with our narrative. Yeah. And having coordination between different aspects of government. So it's, it's all about a bigger state, right? It's, it's, there's no, no real solutions here for the average man. Basically, the message to protesters is buzz off. Mm-hmm. If we're going to do what we're going to do, buzz off. We're going to create a bigger state. We're going to spend more of your money protecting you from yourself because you're too stupid to protect yourself from yourself. We're going to do what we want on our terms. We know what's best for your kids. Don't, don't, don't even think about bringing your kids to protests again because now that we've included this in the report, we might just call CAS on you next time. It's a bigger state. It's protectionistic. The, the bottom line is, Chris, this document is protectionistic. It's all about protect, protecting big government mm-hmm. and expanding big government. It gives a little tip of the hat to the citizen, but the overall vibe of the document is big brother knows better than you do. If we tell you to jump, you say how high. We're going to pretend that you have freedom. We're going to tell you out of one side of your mouth you have the right to peaceful protest, and we're going to maybe give the um, – the prime minister, you know, a little, a little flick in the shoulder for calling a fringe minority, but more or less, we're going to protect the status and the elite. And we're going to do it under the veil of it's in the best interest of the nation. Cause after all the elites, they, they know, they always know what's better than, than, you know, right. They, they, they know, they know everything a little bit better than you do. So that's that's something that I see. It's very protectionistic. The, the commissioner is a liberal. Now that's his choice if he wants to be a liberal, but it, it's clearly reflect, reflected in in this report. And he even borrows the younger liberal generation's woke language. These terms that float around: transphobic. I still don't even know what that means. Homophobic, racialized. I don't, even, I don't know what that means. It's just undefined language. It's not real language. By the way, if we don't have language, it's impossible to communicate. This is all part of this agenda. We, we create terms. We don't really define them. Mm-hmm. We, we eradicate pronouns. What's next? Adjectives, participles, articles. You eradicate language. You make clear, concise, articulate communication nearly impossible. You talk past each other. That's something we see in the document. The document emphasizes the control of beliefs, the implication is, is that if you believe, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, we need to correct you. We need to control the misinformation, disinformation. Again, whatever that means, whatever that means. We need to frame those that are opposed to the liberal worldview as delinquents. And the result, unfortunately, is a further diminishment in respect Mm. for authority. So we're we're pro-authority. There, for sure, there's going to be individuals. I know they have. They'll 
they're trolls. They'll listen to my podcast. They'll try to, um, you know, pick out little statements that they disagree with and maybe use them against me at some other point in time. I really don't care, but I just want them to hear this. I'm not an anarchist. I'm the farthest thing from an anarchist. The Freedom Convoy people as a whole are the farthest thing from anarchists. We're the ones saying that we believe in the supremacy of God mm-hmm. and the rule of law, not the supremacy of the state and the diminishment of law or the writing of laws that diminish the supremacy of God. We believe in the supremacy of God, meaning that there are God-given rights. There are God-given principles that form law. And if someone wants to stay home to allegedly stay safe, have at it. But a lot of people didn't want to do that. They wanted to continue to live their lives, and I think it was reasonable for them to demand it after enduring endless lockdowns. The final comment that I want to make tongue-in-cheek is how much money and how much carbon was spent on this fiasco the states could have simply come out and had a face-to-face man-to-man conversation with protesters whether that would have led to a solution and an immediate resolve or not i don't know but they didn't even do that instead they have to pontificate from their social media accounts apparently it's okay for the lefties to use their social media accounts to say whatever they want but if you're opposed to them, you're guilty of misinformation, disinformation. Apparently, it's okay for the big news agencies to say whatever they want. But it's it's not appropriate for the, the average man, right? The alternative media. This is a, a complete fiasco. The, the amount of money that was spent, people driving their cars to Ottawa to sit in the commission hearings for days on end the amount of trees that were cut down to print these documents, Mm -hmm. the number of people that were paid to to write and co-write this document, an astronomical amount of money on policing fees. It all could have been avoided if Trudeau and the powers that be had simply said, you know what, we're going to honor the charter. It's actually unreasonable by any objective standard to lock people down for months on end over and over and over again. We now know that those lockdowns didn't work. The masks were ineffectual. The vaccines are increasingly suspect. There's going to be a lot of lawsuits Mm -hmm. to do with these vaccines. Um, It would have been very reasonable and far less divisive for people to have had meaningful conversations, even if they didn't agree. But all all this does is it furthers the divide in Canada. This is one of the most divisive documents ever to come off the press. It just further infuriates further angers, further polarizes people. It's not about inclusion. It's not about truly recognizing people's freedom of conscience and freedom of choice. This is tyranny. Mm-hmm. This is chapter one in the, in the tyrant's Bible. And for that reason, we need to see it for what it is. There's some truth statements in here, plenty of them, in terms of it's just art- articulation of narrative and events. But the ideological baggage on this document is very significant. And I repudiate it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure where it's going to go from here. I mean, the government needs to assess it and whatever else. But as much as possible, I just want to, um, you know, s- speak truth to what I consider to be lies. And hopefully that brings further clarity to our listeners as they assess it and think through the issues as well. 
Yeah. One final question that just came to mind. Um, one one reason behind them choosing to invoke the Emergencies Act potentially is that there's maybe a desire to set a precedent and kind of test the limits of the Canadian population. Do you think that to be true and to see how far they can push it before they get a pushback? Or I'm never quite sure how smart these people are or how much they're just being controlled by ideological or even demonic or spiritual forces. I never know. It's hard. For, I think there's some out there that would be allies with us that that probably have uh, a higher opinion mm -hmm. of the the state's cons backdoor conspiracies, how they conspire against the people. So I don't, I don't really know. But I, whether that was intentional or not, it certainly serves that purpose. Mm -hmm. It serves that purpose. So if, if let's just suppose that, you know, in a couple years, this um, carbon or climate crisis reaches a its zenith, and the government says, you know what, for the sake of the common good. In order to keep you safe, we're going to lock you down three months of the year. We got to reduce carbon in the atmosphere, and everyone needs to stay home to stay safe. And it's for the sake of the common good. And they're going to employ all the arguments: do the right thing, um, whatever, wear, wear a mask, wh whatever it might be, whatever the play is. And people protest that. Well, the government's going to feel a lot more comfortable doing whatever it is they want to do because their view is we won. Mm -hmm. So if you show back up in Ottawa to protest climate lockdowns or whatever the next issue might be, and that's probably the one that we need to be most concerned about, they're going to feel much less reticent to to um, uh, wait for as long as they waited. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, if if the libs get kicked out in the next election and in some other government forms, yeah, we may have a 5, 10, 15-year reprieve. But the precedent has been set, mm -hmm. and it's a whole lot easier to pull the same stunt, which is what I see it to be, the same stunt next time when you got away with it this time. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I just want to keep our listeners thinking around the corner, right, making sure to see what is coming in the future. So, well, hopefully you've been uh, just challenged a little bit thinking through this, and that I'm sure we can link to this uh, POEC report in our show notes make sure to tune in next week as we take up part two of our eldership discussion and thank you for tuning in you can reminder you can hear this podcast both on pursuitofglory.org that's pastor aaron's personal blog as well as the fight laugh feast network and then we hope you will tune in next week for another episode of leadership now with dr aaron rock <laughs>